0: You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton.
1: And while it's a football Friday. Football Friday. Our final one until at least the draft. We have spent, well, just about the entire show talking about the NFL. They gave out the awards last night. Super Bowl 58. We made our picks last segment. Mark takes the Niners in the over. I take the Chiefs and the over. It's our poll question. Who you picking, Niners or Chiefs? That Mark Miller, the David Moulton on X, or floridasportsnetwork.com. Vote accordingly. I'm sure he has an opinion on that, but it's not why our next guest is on the show. It's Keith Smith. He covers the NBA, Spot rack and the NBA front office show, which can be seen on YouTube, Follow Keith on Twix, Twitter slash X at Keith Smith MBA, Keith Smith MBA. Keith, David, and Mark, once again, thanks for your time. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. A little short on sleep, but but hanging in there.
1: All right. Listen, at least the deadline was three o'clock. At least you know they didn't stretch (laughs) it into the night for you. All right. Uh, Did it surprise you that the Wiggins, Murray, some of the bigger names bantied about didn't get dealt?
2: Uh, that's kind of a 50-50 answer. It's, it's always a little surprising when you hear guys so involved in trade rumors and then they don't go anywhere that that does stand out a little bit. But I think what happened with uh, some of these cases was some of these teams, the deals were almost too big to happen in in season. So I think what you'll see with especially a guy like DeJohnson Murray, I know they got close with a couple of different teams. We We heard they got close. Uh, With the Lakers, they got close with the Pelicans. Uh, There was other teams that were involved as well. So what I think you may have seen was the table gets set for them to kind of re-engage in the summertime when there are expanded rosters. You have teams with cap space that that they can kind of go back to, to salary dump a contract on and the like. And then some of these other guys like Wiggins, maybe even Chris Paul, if the Warriors guarantee his contract, we might see those guys uh, get reengaged on as well when we flip to the summertime. Just always easier to move those big contracts then.
0: But as far as the day went, the Knicks were the big winners. Um, they pull off a trade with Detroit. It looks like Detroit got fleeced twice uh, by by what I read. But for the Knicks, this adds some depth. How much does it make them a legit contender with Boston in the East?
2: Yeah, I think the the Knicks come away as like the the winner of the trade deadline if there is such a thing because. They were able to fill two rotation spots, and they didn't really trade any of their core guys. Qu- Quentin Grimes was as close as you had in that deal, and they didn't give up a lot of draft capital to do it either, which is, is also huge. They've added OG Ananobi, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Alex Burks without giving up a single first-round pick, which is you know kind of remarkable when you think about it. So the Bogdanovich move is big for them, and it's Extremely huge in the immediate uh, as soon as he's ready to go and play for the Knicks because O.G. Ananobi's out for a few weeks uh, with an elbow injury, at least. Julius Randall's out for a little while longer with the shoulder uh, injury. So Bogdanovich is going to play a big role right away. And I think they're going to ask Alec Burks to step in and do some of the things that Emmanuel quickly did for them as far as scoring and playmaking off the bench. So really good trade deadline for the Knicks.
1: Why did the Sixers trade Patrick Beverly A, and why did they trade him to Milwaukee, a team theoretically they have to go through in the East? I didn't understand that one. I mean, Milwaukee had virtually no assets to acquire something that they needed. I didn't think Milwaukee would be able to get their hands on a player as good as Patrick Beverly to fill a need and I don't think they gave up much of anything to do it. Explain to me what the Sixers did yesterday.
2: Yeah, the Sixers had a little bit of a weird day. They they went out and got put Buddy Heald, who's going to help him quite a bit. And they, they got him for just moving some some expiring money around. So that that's a big, big addition. And then their other moves were a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a little, uh, he's the, the best one. Even Jaden Springer, who's a young player who's played well uh, when given opportunities, they they basically salary uh, dumped him over to the Boston Celtics. So we're another team they're competing with at the top of the conference. So those those are definitely odd moves. My guess is they looked at it and said, "Hey, what we need is we don't need Patrick Beverly right now. What we need is maybe a guy like Campaign who can really run the offense a little more." get us into some stuff, make sure we play up-tempo. I think the Springer move was solely about let's get out of the luxury tax, let's open up some roster slots. let's be a real major player in the buyout market. But I think Philly also knows none of this really matters if Joel Embiid isn't healthy and ready to go. So what they did was maintain flexibility for next year while adding a couple guys who they think can help right now.
0: Who made the biggest mistake by not making a move yesterday? Because there wasn't a lot done. So who who should have? And when we look back at the trade deadline, who missed out that should have made a move yesterday?
2: Yeah, I think it's probably the Lakers. I, I, it, you know, we, we're a lot of people are saying, well, they were in the worst spot last year, and they they made a run all the way to the Western Conference Finals. One that's probably not happening again. Uh, just with you know, if we really get realistic about it. And then the other part of it is this year. They're in the same position, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis have largely been healthy all season long, and last year was a disaster with those two guys missing time regularly. So the Lakers are in a spot where they they could have done some stuff to upgrade. I think they looked around uh, similar to the Warriors, and probably the conversation was, is there a trade that we know it's going to cost us quite a bit that is also going to then lift us, uh, that we feel really good that we're going to be a playoff team and we'll be able to move forward. Or we make making kind of a move that, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not enough to really lift our season. And, and it, it, my guess is both teams, the Lakers and Warriors, came back to, no, there there isn't that kind of move available. So let's just kind of stand pat and let, let's move forward with what we have and we'll figure out the bigger stuff this summer.
1: I don't understand the Chicago not – unloading some guys who are going to have expiring contracts at the end of the year and probably leave. I, I, I don't understand the bulls who haven't made a meaningful trade since the pandemic. I, I really don't understand the, what Chicago's doing or not doing. Uh, are you buying the Cavs in the East and Oklahoma city in the West as legitimate Conference finalists are better because record-wise, Cleveland's won, what, 16 of 17? They got the second-best record in the East, and they're all young. Uh, they got a great roster. Oklahoma City's all young, but they got a great roster, and they just added Gordon Hayward. Cavs, Thunder, are you buying?
2: I, I am. I, I think both of those teams have a chance to be really, really good. Now, Cleveland got a taste to the playoffs last year. It didn't go great. But they have some sense now of, all right, this is what it looks like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, And then you have the, uh, the, the Thunder, who are probably a year ahead of where anybody reasonably thought they would be. And a guy like Gordon Hayward, if he can get on the floor, that's always the question, he can be a major upgrade for them. Because what I think you're going to see teams do <clears throat> against Oklahoma City is probably step out. Uh, on the floor and not guard Josh Giddy. And if Josh Giddy hits four or five three-pointers and that's why you lose, so be it. Now, if Hayward's healthy, you plug him in <clears throat> to that spot and you're ready to go. So I think that's a really big uh, uh, upgrade for them. They didn't give up a whole lot to, to do it either, and they've still got a million draft picks and good cap flexibility and all kinds of stuff. On the Cleveland front, yeah, I think the Cavs are – they didn't do anything at the trade deadline, they, but they didn't have a lot to do. Their big thing is then, let's get Evan Mobley and Darius Garland healthy. Didn't see where we're at. They play really good defense. They've got enough offense. They've got enough shooting. I think Cleveland's going to be dangerous. And then just to tag on to that Bulls point, I would have mentioned them, but I gave up on trying to figure out what in the world they're doing there anymore. None of it makes sense to me in Chicago.
1: He's Keith Smith and he covers the NBA spot rack and the NBA front office show, which you can get on YouTube, follow Keith on Twix, Twitter, slash X, Keith Smith, NBA, Keith Smith, NBA, Keith. Thanks for always being there for us. We appreciate all the best to you and your family. And we'll talk again before the playoffs. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Keith Smith. And we've got some people in the Twitch chat room who are big fans of Keith. He used to work for Celtics blog. Okay, He br- broke away from them after the Celtics run last year, and then they miss him there because they're big Celtics fans. Does a really good job covering the league.
0: Yeah, he does. And uh, you're next, David. The talk of the trade deadline.
1: <sighs> Which is very difficult for it, – it's kind of like Trent and Lions fans this year wrapping their head around early in the season. Wait a minute. Maybe we really are good. What? Maybe everybody's right. You know, everybody picked us to be good. Holy blank! We beat the Chiefs to start the year. Holy blank! We got off to this really good. Oh my goodness! We're going to win the division. Are we really good? Wait, are we the second best team in this conference? I mean, I I think Lions fan had to wrestle with that. Like, no, there's no doubt. No doubt. This now is kind of like Knicks fans going, wait a minute. Are we actually a well-run organization? Come on. That can't be true. Wait a minute. Have we just made two really good smart trades in a row? We still have those seven first-round picks and cap room for next year? Okay, wait a minute. Are people actually now wanting to play for our team? No, come on. Stop it. That, that's where I think Knicks fan is right now. Like, come on, just stop it already. Not going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's tough for me to think of a New York fan not oozing with confidence all the time, but then there's the Knicks fan. So I...
1: That organization's done it to you, okay? Mets fan is more confident about the Mets future. Knicks fan's like, come on. We're the Knicks. We'll screw it up.
3: I love they, how they're doing this, though. That's what I love. I love that they don't really – it's not the super team, let's get all the guys together and pay them a bunch of money. It's a lot right. of homegrown talent and Jalen Brunson, baby. I love it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not going after the big names and the big money. It's very – It's not amazing. going after the
3: old
0: big name yeah. and money player, which they traditionally yeah. would do and it, it feels, get someone two years too
1: late.
3: feels Golden State-esque from their first run before Kevin Durant joined.
1: Uh, there's there's no curry on I, I mean Jalen Brunson's terrific. There's no curry. You know that's that's probably that's probably when the Knicks don't achieve what their fan base wants. The reason will be is is that they're probably a B plus team. You know, like the Heat last year. You know, you get the right matchups and you get the right year and this that, You know, you can go on a bit. They could go on a run, but they're probably a B plus team.
0: Well, the problem is that the Celtics are an A team.
1: Exactly. A- now, if Porzingis gets hurt and he is can't stay healthy, Mark, what are the Celtics without Porzingis? A B plus team. There we go. Miller and Moulton. So, all right, there we go. We covered the deadline. That's it. All right. Hey, it's time for the Swifty special, baby. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 21 minutes past the hour. Busy sports day yesterday. NBA trading deadline, which if you're into the association, was interesting. Not big and blockbuster, but interesting. The NFL handed out all its awards last night and... They used to let us know Saturday dinner time before the Super Bowl who got into the Hall of Fame. They decided now to do it on the Thursday night before the game awards night. So Lamar won a second MVP, nearly unanimous. Josh Allen got one first-place vote. Lamar got all the rest. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Garrett, offensive and defensive players of the year. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, both from the Texans, rookies, Offensive and defensive of the year. Stefanski from Cleveland wins coach of the year. Remember, it's a regular season award. Uh, Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year. Bit controversial. Only played five games. Okay, beat out DeMar Hamlin. Also beat out Baker Mayfield. You can make the case if you're voting for a quarterback. You know, Baker 17 games, Flacco 5. But, okay.
0: Speaking of Baker, Uh, did you happen to catch the little – he was on Up and Adams and steve young was on there and they're talking basically he kind of kind of gave away the state secret
1: yeah the mic uh stayed on yeah it's not supposed to they were off air they were in a commercial break and uh, the mic stayed on and uh you know baker's like yeah i'm gonna resign and uh you know we're looking to bring you know bring in so and so and bring back so and so well good okay there you go. So I guess, uh, I don't know, does that hurt him leverage-wise? Do the Bucks now turn to him and go, well, I hear you're coming back? Or do you just, you know, I mean, you got to pay the going rate. And this quarterback in the NFL You're going to make minimum 35, probably 40-ish. So that damn Daniel Jones contract, I'm telling you, it's a killer. It is. Uh, Cam Hayward of the Steelers, Walter Payton Man of the Year. All right, that's a biggie. But um, Devin Hester gets in the Hall of Fame, a return specialist. That's a first. Is that going to open the door for the Veterans Committee maybe to go Billy White Shoes Johnson? Does this help Steve Tasker, who's been a finalist before, whose job it was to tackle the Devin Hesters of the world? Uh, Julius Peppers, Dwight Freeney, Patrick Willis, Andre Johnson. The other members elected to the Hall of Fame. The senior committee put in Randy Gratishar and Steve McMichael. Nice for McMichael to get in because he's, you know, dying from ALS. And so at least, you know, don't know if he'll make it to the summer. But, um, you know, he and the family know that, you know, he is in fact a hall of famer. So that's some of the football news that happened yesterday. But now
0: it's time to get to the big portion of the show. It's the Swifty special for the final time.
1: <sighs> I'm gonna miss this. <laughs> you? you of,
3: I haven't been, been this
0: successful of- since week two gambling. <laughs>
3: we have a little bit of a mixed bag today. Uh, the first five questions are going to be just like we've been doing all week, except there her boyfriends, her dating history. So I'm going to give you two celebrities. You tell me which one she's dated. All right?
1: So, and for those, if you're just listening for the first time this week, what we've basically done is, uh, you know, is it a Taylor Swift song? And then it's, so we got a real title and a fake title of a Taylor Swift song. Miller and Moulton had to guess what was real, what was fake.
0: Now now we have to guess who she dated and who she didn't. All right. It's going to be right in Moulton's wheelhouse. I feel like I'm gonna after a
1: winning week, I'm in trouble right now. A lot of pressure on me here because I'm the gossip pound of the show.
3: Well, I think you'll be off to a hot start because this one is, I don't want to say a gimme, but all right. Has she dated Zac Efron or Liam Hemsworth?
1: The second one. Uh, I was going to say Zac Efron, but.
3: It is Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Liam Hemsworth, that's the, he dated Miley Cyrus, was married oh. right for a while. Yeah, so. There you
0: go. There you go. I just got those two mixed up. Did, didn't they Didn't they get married even?
3: <laughs> yes, they did. Okay. And they had a very ugly divorce. Um, number two. Well, I, it was
1: ugly for him because she came out and said, I think I want to play for the other team now. Okay. That's a bad look for him.
0: Hard to <laughs> get back into the dating pool. It is. When the last it woman is. you dated changed teams after you.
3: Right. Round two, Jake Gyllenhaal or Justin Bieber? uh gyllenhaal
0: yeah it's gotta be she did, was, i, I would have known if she dated justin bieber
3: yes you would have um number three jesse mccartney or taylor lautner mccartney uh i was gonna go lautner it is taylor lautner the pride of hudsonville michigan shout out uh round four harry styles or nick jonas oh 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 jonas
0: I was going to say Styles, so I'm obviously wrong.
3: It is Harry Styles. Oh, wow. I did nice. date a Jonas brother, but it was Joe Jonas, not Nick. Oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. We're doing misdirection plays with Taylor Swift trivia? Are you serious? I
0: thought we were just doing One Direction. The
3: Jonas oh, right. <laughs> that was good. That was brilliant. Wow. I'm clipping that. Well All right. Played. Round five Zane Malik, who was Harry Styles' bandmate in One Direction, or Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston. Good job. Very nice. So, that concludes the boyfriend questions. Now, I got five more over the next couple minutes just to round the segment out. All right? True or false, Taylor Swift's lucky number is 13. True. True. That is true, and the reason that the Swifties love it is because 13 plus 87, Travis Kelsey's number, is 100. So, they love that.
1: Oh, and uh, Super Bowl 58, 5 plus 8 is. I mean, there are – Uh, Somebody did a thing about all the stuff that adds up to 13 numerically with the Super Bowl. Please. just anyway.
3: I'm going to give you four album titles. Which one is not a Taylor Swift album? Ready? Oh, my goodness. Red, Renaissance, Fearless, Lover.
0: Fearless. Lover.
3: You guys are both incorrect. Renaissance is a Beyonce album. (laughs) Damn it. Mark is not used to losing on this segment. Um, I'm going to give you four artists. You tell me which one she did not perform as an opening act for early in her career. Are you? Uh, <laughs> Seriously, This is you'll think this is interesting. Rascal Flatts, George Strait, Keith Urban, or Toby Keith. Who did she not open for?
1: George Strait, Keith Urban.
3: She did not open for Toby Keith. Which is wow really throws you for a loop because Toby Keith is the one who signed, signed her. her. Yes,
0: yeah, he's thought that was the bad. gimme of the group, right?
3: All right,
1: here's an interesting one. Now, listen, I'm telling you, for everybody out there, write some of this stuff down. You know, during the you want to impress, you know, the wife, the daughter, the granddaughter, the niece. You know, we're trying to help you
3: out here. This one is very interesting. So Taylor Taylor jeez Taylor Swift has won 14 Grammys. Michael Jackson has won 13, so she has one more Grammy. But who has who's shooting better from the field? Who's won a bigger percentage of their nominations, Taylor Swift or Michael Jackson?
1: Uh, now we're going percentages?
0: I, I'm going to say Michael Jackson
1: because uh, Taylor Michael Swift Jackson.
0: seems to blank out an album every other day.
3: Right.
1: So we're going percentage.
3: Yes. Quality uh, my, over quantity.
1: Michael Jackson.
3: Michael Jackson has won 34%, Taylor Swift 27 Well done. You guys did it.
1: By the way, Beyonce the most Grammys, correct? By yep. a, a big margin.
3: Yep, she passed, uh, was it Quincy Jones? A couple years ago, I think she passed Quincy Jones. All right, last one. This one is just completely a throwaway question. You guys kind of mentioned this yesterday, so that's why I threw it in here. You know what her Zodiac sign is? Take a stab at it.
1: Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't even know my own zodiac sign
1: Sagittarius she's a cancer
3: Taylor Swift is a Sagittarius David Moulton closing it out hot and the only reason I brought that up is because yesterday you know when I mentioned that song the Archer David was like what is this Sagittarius so I just figured you might get a shot at that
1: I have no idea why I said Sagittarius well it's maybe I mean, it's because my it's my horoscope sign I, I don't know
3: You and Taylor Swift are the same sign. (laughs) And that's all
0: that they have in common. Pat Kerwin to join us next. The good news is is that sometimes he's in the on-deck circle before the segment. He wasn't. That means there's a shot that we get him next segment. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening.
1: You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the
0: Florida Sports Network.
1: He got up early for us. He's best friend of the show, arguably, that we have. He's Pat Kerwin, NFL Radio's Move of the Chain, CBS's NFL Today show. Joining us live from Vegas, where he is doing double duty, NFL Radio, and CBS, of course, having the game on Sunday. He will conduct 60 interviews this week. That's just for his radio show. That doesn't include all the prep work he's doing with CBS. All right, let's cover as much ground as we can, Pat. Great. Pat, of course, joining us once again, courtesy of Pinchers. Pinchers, Tampa to Key West, all points in between Pinchers where you can't fake fresh. First off, Hall of Fame, who got in, who didn't? Quickly, your thoughts.
4: Um, I, w- I was really hoping that the Willie Anderson would get in. thought he deserved to be in. If you did your homework on him, you would have just accepted him. They didn't do it. Um, I'm glad Devin Hester got in. I thought that was one that I would I'm not a voter for that. Peppers was clear for everyone. Freeney, I thought was easy for everybody. Um, McMichael, of course, we knew he'd get in. I I, I debated Andre Johnson. I would have preferred Tory Holt. Uh, Patrick Willis, I'm okay. And everyone who doesn't like the Willis selection thought he was had to wait a little longer. I know Patrick pretty well. That guy was a superstar from the day he got there. So. I, I go. My relationship with him goes all the way back to Mississippi when Ed Ogeron was the head coach there. And and Ed, Ed brought me in to talk of him into staying in an extra year. I said, mm-hmm. you know, you could go right now and be an All-Pro, but Ed would like you to stay. That's all I remember saying to him when he stayed.
0: All right, you've talked to a lot of people about the game, but most importantly, you talked to Andy Reid, Steve Spagnola, uh, head coach, defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Just talk to me about what you think the Chiefs are going to do defensively Against San Francisco,
4: um, well, they are they multiple pressure calls, and they they know that going after uh, Purdy is the right thing to do, and his sack ratio would give Spags a desire to go get him. I think if the ball comes out of his hand and rhythm, which is what he is, you're going to have problem with those athletes in the open field. Uh, they will stop the run. They'll move Chris Jones around. Last week, we saw a little bit more of him at defensive end. We'll see him all over the place. Um, and Purdy is a is a midline thrower. He does run once in a while, but he's not a runner. So he's going to want to throw. And Chris Jones is a guy that can block passes. So I think you'll see him inside on most of the clear passing downs. Uh, there's a lot of talent on the on the 49ers. Everyone seems to be, at least the guys I'm talking to, jumping on on Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to make my decision today. But I, I woke up thinking about taking San Francisco. But everyone goes, don't do it. I, I'm such good friends with Spags. I can't look him in the eye and tell him I took the other team.
1: Uh, you know, listen, the Chiefs defense has been getting better every week. Uh, we've seen what they've done in the playoffs. Uh, you know, five of the six halves they played, they've been terrific. But during the regular season, they were susceptible to running the ball. Doesn't seem as if any team in the playoffs outside the Bills in the first half really stuck it to him running the ball, all right? And they're susceptible to the slot receiver. Well, Pat, the Niners mm-hmm. can run the ball, and Debo in the slot is massive. I mean, where do the Chiefs stop one of these two places where they've had problems?
4: Yeah, Um everything you said is is possibly the way they could lose the game Uh, they're not they're a good sack team but the linebackers there's some issues that they're worried about the linebackers you know Willie gay is still making no progress to my knowledge with the neck and i don't know who you want to put in the slot you don't have to put debo there you can also put christian mccaffrey in there and that's another problem in a different way Uh, when i sat down with debo and it reminds me how big he is, how physically he is. The guy really looks like a fullback. He does not look like a wide receiver. So if they want to feed him the ball, they'll be fine doing it. I think there's lead change. I don't know there's going to be a lot of scoring. I think the over-under is 47.5. And, and that seems to be about right for me. Although we're indoors, there's not going to be any weather conditions. They could get over 50. Uh, look, as I said, I'm really leaning towards... San Francisco at the, at the 11th hour here because of the matchups. Uh, I don't know I, Christian McCaffrey did, did, I, th- that guy sit down with that guy someday if you want to find out what the modern new age athlete is. there's nothing about that guy that's not scientifically proven. he, is, he has done everything to be the most the optimum player he can be. Uh, to me it comes down to you to believe in Debo and I'll ask that question back to you, David. I like Debo. And I, excuse me, I, I'm talking about the quarterback, Purdy. When it comes right down to it, ask you I, two questions I ask every week. Who has the best quarterback on the field? Kansas City. Who has the best defense on the field? And that's where I say Kansas City. And because of those two things, it's really hard to go away from them. And I don't like the way San Francisco starts games. And if you look at the second half of games and start looking at, at really Kansas City's second half, they gave up a total of 10 points in three postseason games in the second half. So they get better at halftime, and, and Spaggs has plenty of adjustments in his back pocket to shut them down. So there's actually the fourth quarter is scary. Three points the whole fourth quarter.
0: Well, and, and that gets to – and I pick San Francisco, Pat, and I'm scared to death about it for the reasons you just mentioned. But part of it is – San Francisco, you know, I've got the reasons for the matchups, but part of the reason that scares me is San Francisco's defense has not played particularly well. And what are they going to do to get to Patrick Mahomes? Because that's the way to beat the Chiefs is somehow get this guy in the ground, and uh, it hasn't happened really in the postseason.
4: Yeah, I go back to the Green uh, Bay-Pittsburgh-Steeler game, and I remember talking to Matthews, who was the contained player on the left side, and he just said, we're not letting Roethlisberger out. And he didn't have any sacks in the game. And he goes, if you knew my assignment, my assignment was to never let him out. And I think you can never let Mahomes outside. So you might not see some sack production from the outside guys, but if you can contain him. And, you know, it was funny watching the game they played a couple years ago that was on TV. It was so interesting because when he threw his interceptions, Mahomes, really if you watch those, he said – I couldn't break contain, and then I threw it back inside right to the interceptor. I think you're going to see the same thing, not let him out. That doesn't mean he's not going to throw for 275, 300. He doesn't have a lot of 300-yard games if you go through his season. He's like a 250, 270, but it's big play stuff. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but Pat,
1: is this defense as good as that Niners defense from four years ago? We don't think they're getting the same production from the front four. This is a defense that doesn't blitz a lot. Uh, I thought their corners were better four years ago than they were now. Uh, I'm just wondering if that, you know, that Niners defense, which it took two and a half hours for the Chiefs to figure out, we think is better than this one. Uh,
4: I don't disagree in some areas. I mean, Bosa's got to deliver, but he's the guy that should be the contained player. So are you going to give up your pass-pass rusher to contain? That's the first piece. But to the two linebackers on San Francisco, they are producing at a rate that the others over on Kansas City are not, and that's half of its injury. But if you look at those two guys, Warner and Greenlaw, in two postseason games, 35 tackles, three tackles for a loss, three pass defense. Two interceptions, but here comes your question. No sacks and no hits on the quarterback. So if you're going to contain, which I think if you let Mahomes outside, you're going to lose. Those guys have to produce pressure and sacks inside. They have not gotten any of it in the postseason.
0: Talking with Pat Kerwin, NFL Radio's Moving the Chain, CBS Sports, NFL Today Show as we get ready for Super Bowl 58. What... When you look back, talking about Spags and his defense, and they've made adjustments at halftime. They've been putting six guys in the box. They've been blitzing five. When you talked about the blitz ratio on Purdy, how do you see Purdy handling this? And what's the best way for San Francisco to get the throwing game going if for some reason they're unable to run it?
4: Well, Purdy, you know, first off, in 21 pro games, he's been sacked 46 times. And I think if you disturb him, I, I know Spags spags is gonna think cut it off at the head go get the quarterback because he doesn't want to have exactly what david describes he'll and he you know what he told me last week after the game pat i blitzed the run every play i thought they were gonna run that being baltimore he goes i thought they'd run i was blitzing the run and they weren't running and I, my blitzers would come falling right into the lap of of lamar so he's gonna blitz the run again he is definitely gonna do that and He does it with safeties. He does it with his backers. He slants the fronts. He stunts the fronts. He will always think of pressure when under pressure. And I think that'll disturb them. Because, you know, David, the one thing we didn't talk about when we brought up those star players, and I agree, five hybrid players. I don't think their offensive line in San Francisco is great.
1: Well, no, uh, you know, your uh, line guy there is all year has been saying, listen, Trent Williams is tremendous and the other four guys are average. And I think the Chiefs, whether it's by numbers, because I expect a lot of five and six man fronts from Spags in which he's going to isolate every blocker to block one on one. OK, in theory, the Chiefs players will be better than the guys blocking them.
4: I think so, too. And know people want to take a shot and I do, too, at Kansas City's offensive tackles, which we've done all year. How come there's no sacks all of a sudden in the postseason? Because Kansas City is in a spread set a lot, and they're getting rid of the ball in half a second. Now, if I'm the 49ers, I am storming the bubble screen world. And if you want to beat me on a sluggo once in a while because my guy's coming forward and your guys stop and go, okay. It's going to hurt, but I am not letting you have it down the field the way they are, so. Uh, chess matches be fun we've got two weeks to talk about it i'm paralyzed by thinking about it because it's point counterpoint and that's all we're going to do well today i got 16 interviews i don't know how i'm going to do any of this stuff
1: (laughs) (laughs) mark brought up uh, earlier in the week he thinks kittle's going to have a really big game we're curious if the ravens had kyle hamilton which is probably the best safety in the league and he covered kelsey a lot and kelsey was targeted 11 times and had 11 catches How are the Niners going to match up against Kelsey, and how are the Chiefs going to match up, quite frankly, against Kittle if the Niners decide that they're going to feature him?
4: Well, Kittle has not had a very productive postseason, and I'm comparing him to Kelsey on this one. He's only had 10 targets in the two games, 10 targets. Now, they got a lot of guys who want the ball, but when you have 10 targets in two two games um, and six – receptions and only and here's the thing three first downs he's moved the chain three times in the postseason in two games so can you live with one and a half to two move the chains yes is he 100 percent healthy no now he's going to play and he won't feel the pain in that toe but uh i looked at this because kelsey as we know has been dominating in the postseason he wasn't he was pretty quiet the last month of the regular season but his 27 targets in three games, 22 receptions, and here's the killer, 14 first downs. And we all know that there's a lot of... Now he's no... This all really, as Andy Reid said, the crossroads for them was Christmas Day, embarrassed by the Raiders. They stopped using Kelsey in protection. He's out all the time now freelancing on his routes. Here's why I think Kelsey's going to have a much bigger day. I went back and looked at Laporta, who to me is the youth version of Kelsey. I went and looked at him against San Francisco. You know what he did? 13 targets, nine receptions, and five first downs. So if Laporta can do that to San Francisco, so can Kelsey. So I'll bet on Kelsey over uh, Kittle.
0: I I will, too. I just think Kittle can have a big game, the the way they cover the slots. I I think Kittle's an X-factor, just the same way. I think Pacheco can be an X-factor for for Kansas City, Pat. I think they've got to be able to run the ball. You talked about the screen game. I think Pacheco's a big part of the
4: offense for Kansas City. And Andy Reid said to me, in the spring, what did he say to me? In the spring, the summer, and the early fall, I perfect the passing game. And when we get to the cold weather, because I said to him, you have quietly – upgraded your running game. You did it last year. You're doing it again. And when you look at Pacheco, Pacheco in the last few weeks has upped his touches to over 20, 20 20.3 between his receiving and his running. So yeah, Andy looked me straight in the eye. He goes, you ain't kidding. We have to be a better run team. Now, David and I and you, Mark, and we all know that Andy never changes spots. He's indoors right now. His cold weather philosophy with Pacheco isn't the same. He's in a place where he can throw all day and his brain has always been throw first run second
1: well and the irony is Shanahan's the opposite but in some big spots as the plate uh-huh. caller he's avoided the running game and thrown it a little too much so he's got we'll... some
4: ghosts in his closet about yes, these he kind does. of games.
1: And remember, Andy had these ghosts, too, four years ago in the Super Bowl. He couldn't win the big game. He had lost his majority of conference championship games. He's trailing by two scores. And then Andy got the monkey off his back. Kyle's got to do it on Sunday. Pat, we know you're still working on your pick. Uh, best of luck. The no, rest. I got
4: to have it with you guys. I'll All right, Kansas 10 City. seconds. Kansas City, here I come.
1: There it is.
0: Pat Kerwin going with the Chiefs. Probably the smart play, taking the quarterback in the defense.
4: Give me the points, Mark. Give me those one I, and a half. I'll, I'll give think. you the one and a half. Thank you very much. That half is a killer. Pat <laughs> Kerwin, NFL Radio's
1: moving the chains today, 3 to 7. And then he'll be prepping the guys, providing the information for the NFL Today Show, which will be about 17 hours long before kickoff. Hey. Pat, great weekend. Safe travels. We'll talk next week.